Chapter 10, The Reality of What Is. There's no time or space in inner space, and I am everything I see. The reality of what is becomes knowable through many aspects. I'll start with a deeply personal story about my father. In the final moments of my father's life, he revealed a gift to me that I'll cherish forever. For five days, I sat and watched him slowly leave this world as he gracefully shook off his body. The doctors and nurses kept reassuring us that it would be any day, and finally on the fifth day, I suddenly awoke around 5 a.m. as my wife and mother were heading to bed. I went to sit with Dad while they were taking some rest. Shortly after Mom and my wife fell asleep, I noticed Dad's breathing started to change. For days, I'd been telling my dad, we would be okay, just go when you're ready. However, in that moment, during the early hours of the morning, something felt different. When his breathing changed, I leaned forward and took my father's hand and said to him, Dad, it's time to go. He gave three short breaths and passed away. Now, my father was the first person to hold my hand, and he continued to hold it most of my life. However, he also allowed me to become my own man in the world. But now there I was holding his hand at the end of his life, inviting him to journey into his next life. You see, I spent the first part of my life trying to live up to my father until I realized I could never fill his shoes but I was more than capable of filling my own. I realized this because of how my father lived. He never tried to do or be anything that didn't fit him. The most beautiful part of this experience was, at the moment my father passed, the room suddenly filled up with his presence. There was not an ounce of space in that room that he did not occupy. In the final chapter of my book, Be Love, I wrote about unwrapping the body to let our soul shine into the world. I witnessed my father unwrap his body at the moment of his passing, and his soul was so immense that it permeated me in the entire room. As we drop our sense of self, we unwrap the body. The density of our flesh and bones becomes pure light, allowing our soul to shine. We become the lamp that lights up the world, and our presence helps dissolve the density in others. The gift we give ourselves of unwrapping the soul becomes our legacy that we leave the world. The great masters who came before us made their greatest impact, not by their outward deeds, but by their deep inner awakenings. As those masters awakened, they unwrapped their souls to shine forth into the world. Had they have not done so, their impact would have been far less significant. Generally, we unwrap ourselves one layer at a time, but sometimes many wrappings will fall away at once. Either way, don't pay attention to what we leave behind. 
if you spent too much time looking back, you might pick up all the things that you just let go of. We can stifle or undo our growth and healing by revisiting our past. So keep all your focus on the moment at hand and and embrace the beautiful light that you carry. We shine the most brilliant light when we love. For love is a vehicle that carries our light. Love has no limits. Nothing can hold back its power. We limit the power of love when we refuse to share it freely. Now, As we continue to unwrap layer after layer, the layers begin to unwrap themselves for it's consciousness that does most of the work. Unwrapping the Concept of Time In my book, Beloved, I wrote about how our past is changeable from this moment. Now, I backed up this theory with a story about a university study. In it, student participants were divided into four groups. Some were told to study only before the exam, others before and after the exam, and some only after the exam. Now, the final group was instructed not to study at all. The students who studied before and after scored the highest, and those who studied after taking the exam scored better than those that didn't study at all. The results were conclusive. The students changed the results of their exams from an event that happened after the, the, the test had taken place. At the time, the only way I could explain this phenomena to myself is that life unfolds in a nonlinear fashion. It is our mind that turns reality into a linear progression. We look, when we look at the concept of time, it's nothing more than a collective agreement. Events occur, and when we look back at them, we might line up everything in a different order or dismiss some of the events that happened as random. When we look back at how we accomplished a goal, we can find many instances of how the conditions for success began to appear before we even created the goal. I've often looked back and thought, gosh, I'm so glad that, or I was grateful that certain conditions appeared because they led me to where I am now. As I wrote earlier, I believe that the future sometimes shows up early. And what we do in the future creates conditions in the present to support the reality that we'll eventually experience. But how do we relate this information to our lives here today? The key is what we do now. It's essential to place yourself in the presence of this moment and then get on with living our life. The present moment is what changes everything backwards and forwards. Being present, we catch everything that shows up in our lives. We might not know why certain conditions people, or experiences show up, but if we stay present and flow with our daily activities, everything we experience will eventually start to build a bigger picture. 
If we are called to take on a task that we think is too big to handle, we might want to think twice about our resistance. Our true potential is often three steps ahead of our conscious awareness of what we think that we can achieve or do. I especially believe this is the case when it comes to following the will of our soul. We are never too old to live our purpose. The last five years of your life could be more valuable than the previous 40. We may be able to accomplish 20 years of work in two years. It boils down to how focused and dedicated we are to submersing ourselves into whatever's happening in the moment at hand. The gap between perception and reality. It can be difficult to discern the size of the gap between our perception of, of reality and reality itself. However, closing that gap is needed to keep evolving and growing on our path. When we justify our perceptions, we often don't realize that we have left reality. We sometimes do this with friendships. We may assume that our friends don't care about us or that they hold negative opinions, but if we don't communicate or validate such thoughts, we can make decisions about the other person that are just not true. Our mind can persuade us, or we can persuade the mind into believing just about anything. Fortunately, we have five primary areas of connection for experiencing a deeper reality than what our mind tells us is so. I've already discussed most of them at length in this book, but they bear repeating. So one is the silence, the present moment, the people around us, the world around us, a history and knowledge shared by others. If we repeatedly invite friends out for a drive and never leave our driveway, they might eventually stop showing up. Closing the gap between perception and reality is equivalent to getting out on the open highway. Along with the five areas of connection above, we close the gap by engaging with life and becoming more conscious. There's no one way or one book that offers everything we need. Most of what we need to note to discover the reality of what is, which is the title of this book, The Reality of What Is, happens by living our lives and reaching into love. The many teachings and philosophies of the world serve as a great tool. Again, the interior silence is our ultimate teacher for becoming more conscious. But what is consciousness? All life arises out of consciousness. It's the mysterious substance that makes up both physical and non-physical reality. It is the potential of the unmanifest. It is God. See, creation is the movement of consciousness. And so if consciousness is God and we seek higher levels of consciousness, we are seeking to become more godlike. Becoming more godlike removes our limited perceptions and places us in the depths of reality. 
Before we begin to awaken, we live within the confines of a linear reality based part on Isaac Newton's first law, which states that an object will stay at rest or does not change its motion until a mass with a greater force acts on it. Now, in the non-linear domain, the law of cause and effect doesn't even exist. Consciousness itself is the creative force that moves energy into mass. The unseen force of consciousness controls all that moves into the physical world. Understanding consciousness moves us into a place where we can become the ruler of the physical reality we live within. After we awaken, we discover that the physical reality that appears to be solid and stable is not so solid as it appears. At a certain point in our evolution, everything changes. If you recall from an earlier chapter, Paramatma rules Maya because the state of Paramatma is the doorway into the non-linear domain while Maya is firmly rooted in linear Newtonian law. Bringing it all together. Our consciousness sets out on a journey of drawing in more consciousness, allowing our creative endeavors to access a domain of unlimited potential. However, we unlock that potential not by educating our minds, but by creating an environment to directly experience consciousness, to directly experience God. We live in the reality of what is when we unwrap the soul and let its uninhibited light shine into the world. The will of our soul, which is our purpose, is the most relevant task to fulfill. It makes no difference how old or young We are when we awaken and begin to follow our destiny. It makes no difference because the time we have is not limited as we might think. And we can change the dynamic of our lives at any point. The future we will soon experience has the potential to move mountains in the here and now. As we reach deeper into the reality of what is, we narrow our focus and become more conscious of the choices and the trajectory that we're lining up with. We start by learning about the nature of consciousness. Then we cultivate a space for consciousness to grow within ourselves. And finally, we work with moving consciousness by following the guidance that arises in the silence within and living in our heart-centered life. Subjectivity versus Objectivity By understanding the reality of what is, we come to see the world as a subject, not an object. The physical world is a conversation that the divine is communicating through form. We collectively add to this conversation by the lives that we live. What once may have seemed like a hidden reality is not so hidden when we awaken. Our role in physical life is to awaken and participate in this reality using the guidance of our soul. 
By unifying with the soul, the division between ourselves and the world disappears. The reality is that you and I and the world around us have never been objects. There is no you, no personal I. The personal I that we dissolve is nothing more than a passing thought. The same way fire burns material objects, the fire in the soul burns away the false reality of our programmed self. We become the dust that's spread by the wind. Once we awaken, we are nothing and everything. There is only one reality, the reality of what is. All the multi-dimensions of this one reality collapse in the totality of God. Our role is to live in a place which we become conscious enough to rest in this reality and live our life unfolding this truth. When we can reconstruct our physical reality to model our actual reality, we'll bring heaven to earth.